0: Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the marketing podcast for marketers, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. In today's episode, you will learn how to distribute and promote your content because creating great content really isn't enough. Uh, My guest today is the founder of Hustle & Grind, which is an e-commerce store for entrepreneurs Crate which is a content marketing software and he also offers content marketing services via his business foundation uh, to brands and startups around the world. And one thing that I like the most about about my guest today is that he likes to test stuff out. He he likes to test content on multiple channels to see what sticks and he's using this kind of experimental mindset to reach hundreds of thousands of people uh, every month via his blog, Twitter, Instagram, SlideShare and probably other channels I haven't uh, thought about. So I'm super excited to talk to you, Ross, today. So Ross Simons, welcome aboard.
1: Bonjour, bonjour, Ross Simons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to our chat.
0: So let's dive in then. Um, straight away into, into a question I've been kind of thinking about for a while uh, as soon as I knew I was talking to you. So as I mentioned in the intro, you, you start to have quite a big following around you. I mean, you have a a good following on SlideShare, on linkedin on twitter in your blog you're speaking at conferences all over the world and and you know your stuff when it comes to content promotion and and distribution and also content creation now let's imagine something together let's imagine that you had to start all over again let's imagine right. that you have no audience no credibility nothing at all right so you have your knowledge of today but you have yep. nobody knows right. you nobody cares about you and do you have no audience and here's the challenge for you let's say in six months time you need to get from zero revenue up to maybe let's say you know two thousand dollars three thousand dollars a month of of revenue of some kind and perhaps we can decide right now on whether it's going to be consulting maybe we can do that or maybe it's going to be software or or something like this. You need to reach this objective using content as your primary source, like, you know, as as the kind of overall thing that you can use to reach that. So here's the simple question for you today. How would you do it step by step? Where would you start?
1: Great question. So I think at the beginning, I would definitely start by creating and getting my host in order as it relates to what platform I'm trying to drive people to. So whether I'm in consulting, whether or not I have an e-commerce site or whether or not I have a SaaS product, whatever that may be, I have to get the host in order first and foremost. So I'm going to set up a website uh, and that's going to exist online. Once I have that established, my next step is to create content probably, I'd say, three to five pieces that I know that my audience would find value in. And I'm going to put my heart and soul into creating these pieces. The next step is very simple. I'm going to go into Facebook groups specifically where I know my audience is spending time. If I'm talking to gamers, I'm going into gamers Facebook groups. If I'm talking to mums, I'm going into some of the millions of mum groups on Facebook. If I'm talking to marketers, I'm going to go into the various SaaS uh, marketer groups in on Facebook. I'm going to go into these communities and I'm going to answer as many questions as I can that people are sharing while also referencing the content that I've developed on my own site. In doing so, I'm going to be considered somebody who adds value first and foremost. People are then, by association, are going to check out my website and see whatever offering I have. And once they're there, it's my job to ensure that the copy, the messaging, the story that is told is going to essentially drive them to convert and become a customer. And I would say within a month's time, I would be able to quickly generate that type of revenue by simply taking what I know about a certain space, injecting it into a Facebook group in the various communities where people are spending time online and turn that into revenue.
0: All right. Well, that was today's episode. Thank you very much. Um, no, I thanks so much. Like, that was quite impressive, your ability to do to, to, to it step by step very quickly. But this podcast is all about going very specific and really into the details. So let's backtrack into the step number one, right? It might not be the most, the sexiest uh, step. It might not okay. be the one that people... Uh, we like to remember, but you said straight away to create a presence online and you will start with a website. I think for the, let's say for the sake of this exercise, let's say that you're, you, you want to sell consulting, right? I know for a fact that a lot of people who are, who are just getting started in the game, like want to get, you know, in the consulting business or, or starting a new business, or maybe they've tried in the past and it hasn't worked, that they overthink, they tend to overthink those, those steps they tend to spend six months building this website and, you know, polishing it and, and don't do anything, don't expose themselves to anyone. They just wait and wait and wait, right? So it sounds like you're doing it right. a bit differently. So for this first step, how would you do it? Would you just go quick and dirty on Squarespace? or how would you typically do it?
1: Yeah, so I'm a WordPress guy through and through. I definitely love WordPress. So what I would end up doing is probably going to ThemeForest, finding a, a template or a theme that already exists on there. I then download it and install that on WordPress, Uh, And then I'd have my website. I'd then modify the copy and the messaging, make sure that I have a domain that's related to the industry that I'm trying to kind of sell in. So for example, let's say I'm selling to SaaS founders. My website isn't going to be at this point, rosssimmons.com, or it's not going to be lewis.com. It's going to be something like SaaSMarketingForFounders.com. I'm going to make it very tailored specifically to the audience that I'm trying to connect with. I'm going to have that domain. I'm going to create stories and messaging around that. And that's all going to live on my website first and foremost. Right.
0: So let's say we have, we have decent themes. We have something that is like quick and dirty, looks professional, but you haven't spent six months building it, right? You have literally maybe spent six hours, 12 hours on it. And, and now you have, Yeah, something. it should be
1: a, less than a 24 hour project type of thing. Okay.
0: So that, we, we challenge ourselves to say, okay, within 24 hours, we'll have something live. And even if it's not perfect, fuck it. we we'll just move to the next step and improve it as we go. Right.
1: 100%. You can't just sit and sit on your thumbs. You have to move quickly if you want to make that money in, a, in 30 days or less.
0: Right. So now we have a decent presence. We have a domain name that is that looks professional enough. We have a website that looks professional. It's not like perfect, but at least it, it shows something. Uh, it shows a bit of credibility. Now, we want, you said, I'm going to write five pieces of content that I know people will actually like, that will solve pain points that they actually have. But how do you do that? Because, you know, it's easy enough to say that, right? So how do you go about it?
1: So I have this philosophy that I call like the Sherlock homeboy approach, which is essentially you find where your audience is spending time. You reverse engineer the content that is done extremely well there. So let's say my audience is everybody who would be typically browsing Hacker News. I'm going to go into Hacker News. I'm going to type in something like marketing. I'm going to see what over the last few years has been the top post in Hacker News about marketing, about growth, about business, about um, selling things online. And then I'm going to create and improve on any blog post that was developed, say, four years ago, five years ago, with modern insights, modern recommendations that essentially I know this audience will appreciate. So that's how I would go about figuring out exactly what type of content people want. The same thing could be done with any subreddit. You go into a subreddit, you sort content by the top posts, you browse through them, and you understand simply by scrolling through what type of content people in a specific industry space, interest, tribe are interested in, and then you just create that content, but add your own personal spin and make it better than it was when it first got into that community a few years ago.
0: The interesting part here is I think we can forget about Hacker News and Reddit and all of this technology because maybe in five years' time, none of them will exist, but... The principles behind what you're saying will still exist. The principles of understanding where people are hanging out, whether it's online or offline in the real world, is crazy important, right?
1: A hundred percent.
0: How do you do that? Because let's say let's say I challenge you to go and try to sell your consulting to type of people that maybe you're not that aware of. You, you don't know them very well. So how do you go about it traditionally? How do you like to discover this, uh, to act as Sherlock Holmes for this particular audience?
1: All right. So I think for me, I do rely heavily on the digital side of things. I think that at the end of the day, whether you're somebody who's into the tech space, you're a super geek and you love the Internet, or if you're somebody who's just getting started with the Internet, let's say you're a, your a grandmother who loves knitting. There's probably a Facebook group all about knitting for grandmothers, and you can go into those communities and see what type of things they're looking for, that they're writing about, that they're talking about, and then you just create the content that they want. If you want to remove tech from the situation entirely, the approach is going to be a little bit more traditional, but I wouldn't go down the path of focus groups. More than anything, my approach would be simply going to a coffee shop, going to a mall and talking to people about their problems and seeing who comes in looking to fit the stereotypes or the kind of the persona that I'm trying to kind of align with and then just talking to people, having good old fashioned conversations and chatting with folks about kind of their their challenges, their struggles, what it is that they'd be interested in if we were to take technology out of the equation entirely. Right.
0: And I, I, I didn't mean to remove technology entirely, but more about, you know, I think it's it's easy for us because both of us we are in the same Type of people I would say I hang out on Reddit. I know right. you're very familiar with it as well. I know how I can use, you know how I can use. So it's easy enough, I think, right. to sell to marketers. It's easy enough to sell to people we know. But um, I was interested to, to know as well from your perspective, how would you get to know people that you don't? And you mentioned two things. So I think talking to people, we talked about that quite a lot on this, on this podcast and talking about understanding problems right. and all of that. But I think the other thing that you mentioned is quite interesting and we can dive into is the way you reverse engineer stuff that have been shared in specific groups or specific forums to understand what works and what doesn't.
1: Yeah, and I think forums is still, without question in my mind, one of the most underrated channels because we've all got this kind of sexy appeal of the Reddits, of Facebook groups and stuff like that. And forums have been around from the time I was like eight years old. And I remember my first forum was about um, Pokemon cards and things like that and forums are still just as lively and relevant today they're just underrated not talked about as much by marketers but I really do think like if you go to Google and you type in forums for mums you're going to find thousands of pages right. of search results for forums that are dedicated to mums some are dedicated to urban mums some are dedicated to Connected mums, mums who love technology, some are related to older mums, younger mums, like there's content on all of these different things and these different communities are great areas where you can figure out exactly what type of content your audience wants to consume.
0: So how do you typically understand and reverse engineer what people care about?
1: Yeah. So for me, it always goes down to kind of looking at the metrics around those conversations that are happening in a forum and in a community. So let's say, for example, we're trying to target moms of of boys, let's say. So if we're going into a Facebook or into a forum and it's dedicated to moms who are raising boys and they're trying to learn how to be that cool mom for a son, You go into those groups, you're going to look at which posts were in those forums with the most comments, which ones had the most views, and you're going to use that to give you insight into what type of content they're going to resonate with on a regular basis. so I think that that's really what it comes down to. More and more people are relying on online forums, and I think that you can gain insight by looking at the activity levels that each of those different threads have had to get a better understanding of what content people actually want and what content are going to stir up the conversations that you need to kind of act on when you're creating your content.
0: But let's say you start with, you have this list of, let's say, this forum for, for moms who have younger boys and that kind of stuff. So let's say you have identified the top five discussions going on there. Right. What do you, in your head, like scanning through them, what goes through your mind? What type of things are you looking for? Because You probably are thinking straight away into, okay, those five discussions, I guess I can create content that is better than that, or I can shape it in different format or whatever. But what, what are the questions you like to ask yourself when you look at those?
1: Yeah, so some of the things that I would be looking for is like, was there any surprises? If somebody commented and they say, wow, I didn't know that blank then that's something that is an insight that you can leverage in the blog post that you're writing. If you are going through this forum and you're noticing that people are rallying around somebody who said that they were doing something a little bit differently, then that again is an interesting insight because maybe moms haven't taken this approach, but somebody has shared an insight with the community that you can then leverage and kind of talk about on your own website. Is there specifically someone who's put up a post in that thread where it became very controversial? If so, maybe you're going to write a blog post that says, Giving you the final answer. Should you do this or should you do this? And that's going to be the asset that you create. And then that's the asset that you're then going to stir up and share into these different communities. So I really think that when you're going into these forums and you're going into these communities, it's all about figuring out is there any insights that were unexpected that you can capitalize on? Is there any conversations that really stirred up a little bit of a debate and a controversy within the forum? And also, I would say, is there any conversations that just got tons of support from? the community, meaning they got a bunch of upvotes, they got a bunch of people just applauding the content that was written, saying, thank you so much for writing this piece, or thank you so much for sharing your take on this, and then using that to guide the content that you would create for your website.
0: All right, so is it, is it unexpected? Is it creating surprises? Are people saying, wow, I didn't know that? Uh, is it creating a lot of engagement? Are people actively commenting and liking and doing? Because I guess, What you're looking at right now is like the behavior, which is kind of the only thing that matters at the end of the day, because they are doing it and you can't really trick that. So you can see that people do stuff. And the third one I'm going to forget, controversy. So the controversy right. element, right? Is it steering some debate? Are people arguing with, them, uh, with each other? Is it a passionate, emotional subject?
1: Exactly. Right. And I think that that's one of the, the most underrated as well type of content topics. And you have to be sensitive with it. But if I was tasked with kind of getting people w- looking at my website within a month, I would double down on ensuring that some of the content I was publishing would turn some heads and get me on the map a little bit. Because again, that might even generate some backlinks and give you the ability to rank long term with this new website that you've launched.
0: Right. So now you know what works, what doesn't. Now you have a rough ideas of what type of things your audience are caring about, find controversial or at least very passionate about. And then you mentioned, I'm going to write five, four, five, six pieces of content, right? Right. So I know it's a difficult question because it might depend on the audience and all of that, but you would start with written content or would you actually change the format depending on the audience? How, How would you go about it?
1: Yeah. So I would definitely start with written content based off of my skill set. I think written content would do the best uh, at actually allowing me to kind of do what I do well. So written content would probably be where I'd start. And I would share that content into the Facebook groups that I was talking about earlier, where I would look at the various groups in these communities and I would go into them with this written content that I've developed and I'd share it within those groups. I would be first and foremost, adding value um, by answering their questions. So if somebody has a pain, they have a, a struggle that they're talking about, I would respond to them and answer that question and then I would look to see if I have a blog post or an asset that I've created that I could also share in that Facebook group and drive them back to my website where the conversion can take place. At the end of the day, what I could you could also do is once you've gotten this bank of content written and developed, you can then repurpose that content and start to use it in more creative ways. So you can start to share that on Twitter in a different way. You can start to read your blog posts for a video. You can start to create audio clips about the blog posts that you've written. You can then take even that content and start to circulate it through a variety of different channels which will give you the ability again to reach this target audience at the end of the day creating the content is kind of the starting point and the next step is really distributing it to the right people as much as as frequently as possible
0: Right. Before we go into the, the promotion and distribution sides, which, which I think is the core topic of, of, of this episode, one thing I want to highlight from what you just said is like you naturally say, you know, I'm going to write the blog post because this this is where my, my strengths lie. And I, I guess this is the key of, of, of this question. I don't expect everyone to start with writing content when they are unknown and have no credibility and no audience. Maybe you're much better, for example, like me interviewing people and and doing videos rather than writing long blog posts, maybe you're good at something else, right? But focusing and doubling down on your strengths instead of trying to copy... Ross because he's a good writer is probably good a good advice right
1: Yeah I 100% agree I think that you have to double down on what you're good at and ignore the things that you're not good at if you're not a great writer right now but you are amazing at creating podcasts then double down on creating podcasts if you're amazing in front of a camera and you can come off as somebody who's great in front of a video camera like do that start to create videos content and use that as your way of kind of connecting with your audience and providing them with the information that they need I think that's the greatest thing about this era that we live in, that you can create content that suits you. If you want audio, double down on that. If you want video, you can do that. If you want to do written content, you can do that as well. So I think that to your point, you have to do what uh, works best for you.
0: And I guess that's kind of the answer to the, the FOMO happening in in marketers and, and, and designers and developers and everyone who, who want to try to sell stuff and, or grow their business. It's like, I feel that the biggest, one of the biggest pain right now is, but you know, Gary V is doing all of this and, and Ross Simons in my, is, is on SlideShare and I had thousands of you in his, in his slides. I need to do that as well. I think focusing on what you're doing very well to start with and just doubling down on that instead of, you know, following these myriads of possibilities and, and burning out is, is probably a good way to, to save yourself from insanity.
1: I would agree i think a lot of times when i'm talking to founders they they write a blog post and the blog post tells them to write a blog and they have to they believe that they have to write but they have no writing skills they're not they're not great at writing but they may be awesome at coming up with illustrations or something like that like if that's where your skill set Uh, lies, then maybe you need to double down on not writing blog posts, but instead just creating visual infographics about your product, about your space and using Instagram, maybe to create content that is going to connect with your audience. You shouldn't kind of feel like you have to do anything. You should feel like you should just do the things that you're really good at and where you feel like you can actually excel.
0: Now, let's say we have published those four or five pieces and Based on your expertise, you've done that many times before. Based on the research you've done in the past, some of them are working quite well. Let's say you realize that when you're starting to answer questions and you, you, you plug your articles every now and then, you start seeing that people actually seem to, to enjoy it. Right. Right. I, I would say that's probably the start of the distribution and promotion side of things. You would probably focus your attention on the, the articles that got the most traction.
1: Yeah, 100%. So you're going to focus on the content that actually is resonating with people and you're going to be aggressive with sharing that content. So if I have a blog post, for example, that is generating very few views But I have another one that is taking off and is getting thousands of hits every week or whatever that may be. I'm going to take that asset that is working and I'm going to come up with ways to repurpose it and reuse it on different channels to kind of remix that content for SlideShare, to remix it for tweets, for Facebook posts, for potential podcast interviews, whatever that may be. I'm going to use that content as much as I can to get the real bang for its buck.
0: Before we go into the, the step by step, because I think I can get a lot out of you on this particular step. You're doing that so, so often. Um, what are the, the kind of, you would say the objections that people have or concerns that people have when it, around this idea? When, when you say, actually take this article and just reshare it everywhere.
1: I think that most people think that people are going to get fatigued by the fact that they've created this content and they're saying the same thing over and over again. But the reality is that people forget that there are billions of people in the world And those billions of people have not all seen that content. And it is very unlikely that everybody who would be considered their target audience will have seen their content. So I think that that's the biggest challenge. I think that's the thing that a lot of people need to get out of of thinking is the idea that they are going to fatigue their audience by sharing this one piece of content over and over again. There's millions of people who you have not reached with your best blog post till this day. And you have to aggressively be consistent with sharing that content so you can reach more people impact more people and ultimately drive more results because you're now reaching an audience that you just wouldn't have been able to reach if you gave up after two or three days in
0: and i was hoping you would answer uh by with this this answer so thanks thanks for that because that's exactly where where i wanted to go it's it's funny because it's very rare that i get I don't get sick of the content I create after seeing it two or three times, but I am the one producing it. And it's normal for me to feel like everyone has seen it thousands of times, but that's not the case for your audience, right? No, no. Yeah. And and the other thing as well, in terms of the principle and the way people work psychologically is that, you know, if you want your brand, you let's say you want to own the content marketing consulting game, or actually more importantly, more even in depth, you want to own the content distribution consulting game, to stay top of mind, what you want is exactly that, top of mind. So you want to make sure that you repeat things that work. You want to make sure that you reshare, that you, you, you put that in front, of, in front of people many times, and they're not going to get sick of it. It's very unlikely that they are because you're going to build credibility, consistency, trust, and all of that. Exactly. Right. So i i follow I've been following you for three or four years i think at this stage ross uh I was telling you that before we started the interview, and I know that this is probably one of the things you're the best at and i I struggle to find other people outside of Gary v even though he has a team of maybe a hundred people doing that for him right who are able to distribute their content and experiment with their content in different places right. uh without getting super sleazy or aggressive about it. You have a nice way to share your stuff uh and I admire you for that, so let's get into this the nitty-gritty of it like how does your you know process look like for this how do where do you start and where do you choose uh where to promote your content
1: it's a great question so for me it always starts by understanding who it is that i'm trying to reach so for the most part i'm trying to reach entrepreneurs i'm trying to reach other marketers i'm trying to reach um, people who are getting into marketing i'm trying to connect with people who are essentially spending time in the communities that i also would spend a lot of time in What I essentially will do is I will look at where those people are spending time, and then I will start to spend time trying to figure out how I can create content and distribute that content effectively. A lot of people believe this idea that they'll write a post, they'll tweet it out, and then they'll get profits. In reality, what you actually have to do is you need to take the time to invest and understand where your audience is spending time and then spend the time in ensuring that your content is reaching them on those channels. As an example, if I go into a channel like Quora and I do a research and I do a quick search for a keyword like marketing, I'm going to find people who are asking questions about marketing. I'm then going to uncover the fact that somebody is asking a question about SlideShare, and I'm going to respond to them by giving them a valuable insight and a valuable recommendation around how they can use SlideShare. But I'm not just gonna end there. I'm also going to link back to a resource that is not going to seem spammy, but is going to be a value add to the conversation we're already having. And then it gives them the opportunity to then go visit my blog or go visit an actual SlideShare presentation, or maybe it's a guest blog, where I'm talking about a specific thing that I'm talking about in that core thread in more detail so for me it all starts by knowing exactly who it is that you're spending time with understanding where they're asking questions and where they're um, spending time online and then going into those communities and not just spamming them and submitting a link and walking away but instead going in first and foremost with value and then subtly referencing the content that you want them to check out as well in the mix right
0: and that makes sense right i mean you obviously want to know yeah, people you want to know where they are and you also want to know how to reach out to them and then when it comes to let's say you have this article that's been rocking really well okay right um, it's quite controversial that has been working and um, what do you do typically like what type of format do you try to play with what type of channels do you like to play with do you use a team do you have freelancers to help you out how do you do it
1: Great questions. So I'll talk you through kind of the process of distributing an asset. So the first thing that you're going to do is publish that asset on your website. The next step, once you've gotten it published on your site, you're going to share that on your social media channels organically. So I'm going to push it out on Twitter. I'm going to push it out on LinkedIn. I'm going to push it out on Twitter. Um, I already mentioned Twitter on Facebook. I'm going to share it on all of my networks, Instagram stories. All of those different things. Now, what you need to keep in mind when you're doing this is that each channel is different and each channel is going to respond differently to the copy that you are promoting that asset with. On LinkedIn, I'm probably going to write a long form post that is going to drive people to this article because I know people on LinkedIn enjoy more long form content. So I'm going to write maybe 300, 400 words before I actually link and reference the article that I'm driving folks to. On Facebook, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. Twitter, I have 140 characters. Well, now it's up to 200 and some, so what I'm going to do there is keep it within that constraint. But I also know that on Twitter, people love emojis, so I might throw a few emojis in there uh, to increase the likelihood of that being shared. Now, at this point, I still haven't paid for any content distribution. I've simply shared it on channels that I own and that I manage. At this point, uh, the content is all going out to my followers and they're going to engage whether I like it or not. What I do next is I go to a list of people who I believe would be interested in reading this piece and I'm going to reach out to them with a DM on Twitter, I'm going to send them a message on Facebook, I'm going to write them a personal email, and I'm just going to say, hey, uh, I've been thinking about you as I was writing this piece, think you might find it valuable, let me know if you have any questions or if you think that I missed anything in this piece. Typically, people are going to say that they love the article, they love the resource, and within probably 24 hours, you're going to actually see them sharing it on their own networks as well, which is just a great way of getting your content even more reach. Once that happens, I'm also going to make sure that I'm reaching out to people who happen to have a roundup newsletter to see if they would be interested in including my asset in their newsletter. So again, it's going old school with email, but I'm reaching out to people who run newsletters that are essentially have a, a audience that lines up with mine and I'm gonna ask them if the article that I've created would line up with their audience and would be of interest to them. Now at this point, again, I still haven't paid for any distribution, but I have probably reached a good chunk of folks, but now it's time to double down on communities. So I'm going to look at Is there a Slack community that I should be in seeding this content and asking people if they would be interested in sharing it on their communities, but also just sharing it in a Slack community where my audience might be spending time. I'm going to do the same thing in a subreddit. So I'm going to find the various subreddits where my audience is spending time and I'm going to submit this content, but I'm going to also make sure that I research the type of content that these different subreddits want and make sure that I'm not breaking any rules around what type of content you're allowed to submit to these communities. I'm then going to go to community forums and rather than just submitting the content as a link, I'm going to look for people who are asking questions about the content that I've created. So let's say somebody's in a community of tech entrepreneurs and they're asking about content distribution. I'm going to a link. I'm going to give them essentially four tips for how to distribute their content effectively. But at the end of that, I'm going to say, if you want a few more, check out this blog post that I wrote. There's about 20 more on this list. And then if somebody wants that, they can click it and they can consume that content. And I'm going to do the same exact thing in subreddits. I'm going to do the same thing on Product Hunt. I'm going to do it in all of these different communities where my audience is, again, spending time uh, interacting with one another. Then I'm going to take that same philosophy, that same approach, apply it to Facebook groups, At this point, I'm probably getting tired and I wanna have a cup of coffee, so I'm gonna go grab that. (laughs) Then I'm gonna come back to my computer and then I'm going to double check and see how people are engaging with the content on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, And then from there, I'm going to determine if I'm going to create an entire Tweetstorm about the article that I created and start sharing that out. So that's really just the beginning of some of the efforts that I would take to kind of distribute that asset effectively. Um, and I could continue to riff off on a variety of different things. But I think uh, I think the audience will get the point here that at the end of the day, your your blog post doesn't end when you press publish. That's when the life of your article, the life of your video, life of your podcast actually begins
0: you are challenging my skill set quite a lot as an interviewer right now, uh, which I appreciate. So let me go back to 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 the first part of your answer because, first of all, thank you so much for going through this uh, in depth uh, that quickly. It's quite amazing to to hear. So you first mentioned to, to share that organically. And one core thing that you mentioned, I think is critical is to make sure that the way you share th- your content uh, throughout the different channels is really tailored to this channel. And you make it very, you, you make it sound very easy because based on your experience, you know, that LinkedIn at the minute long form content works, but you only know what works what audience by, by uh, for what channel by testing things out. Right? So you say emoji works for Twitter. You probably, you probably did a lot of tests with that and you, uh, you start to understand 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 what works what doesn't so that's kind of the first thing i picked up then you mentioned something that i found that i find super interesting and i think it's very rare to have content marketers or content creators to spend the time to do that uh is to reach out to people of interest right i'm not going to call them influencers because it's just over the top everyone is using this word like people of interest people who might be interested. people who have a network, you mentioned people who have newsletters with people in there, people who have a huge audience uh, that they are that they, that being followed. And you said, I would just reach out to them with the article, right? Right. Um, I know it's a difficult question because it, it will depend, but for a specific piece that you know is working quite well, right? Let's say a cornerstone type of content that you created that you know is working quite well already. How many people do you like to contact? And how long does it take you to only do this?
1: So this goes back a little bit to the conversation we were having a little while ago about the fact that there's billions of people in the world. Like, I never stop. So I I will write a blog post and it will go wild for a month. And I will continue to promote that piece to people two months after. If I notice that somebody just wrote a blog post about the impact of coffee and I have written an article about the value of coffee and hip hop and how it increases your productivity... You can rest assured that i'm still going to reach out to that person and say hey check out this piece i created let me know what you think and if that one email is able to give that piece of content that i wrote eight months ago new life then that's gold. Like that's what it's all about. It's about giving your content more life long term rather than just having a one one time hitter. Uh, So for me, you constantly are looking for those opportunities. But from a starting point, I would probably look at reaching out to anywhere from uh, 15 to 25 people and then dumping into those communities to kind of seed it. Of course, at the same time, you're going to have your friendlies and you should never forget the friendlies, like even if they only have 100 followers, 70 followers, 10 followers, whatever that may be, the fact that you have some people who um, are interested in always knowing what you've developed and what you have created, you always want to go back to them and ask them for, for some assistance, regardless of their audience, just because you know that you can get them to share your content.
0: Right. In a typical scenario, in your typical process, this like, outreach process of like reaching out reaching to 25 people takes you how
1: long? Yeah, so I think that would probably be about a two and a half hour type of effort because uh, you do want to personalize it. If you already have those emails captured, then that's icing on the cake and it probably won't take, it won't take that long. But usually like two and a half hours would give you enough time to reach out with a personalized email, research the people's emails to make sure that you have them. And of course, if you're sliding in a DM via Twitter, that makes the timeline even shorter because you already have direct access to those folks.
0: Uh, you, you don't seem to be a super like prolific content creator or maybe I'm not following you enough but you you don't seem to be the type <laughs> publishing content twice a, twice a day new content twice a day right
1: No not at all I have a, a lot of clients I have to create content for a lot of brands that I have to continuously manage and I got a new baby that's uh, keeping me up late in early in the morning so I'm definitely not creating new content on a daily basis uh, very rarely is it even a weekly basis. I'd say every two weeks or so I'm creating, um, new big assets, but I do put out new tweets and micro content on a regular basis, but it's not the in-depth pieces that, um, a lot of people would be creating.
0: Well, first of all, congrats on the new baby. But the second thing I wanted to say is, is it seems like the reason why I'm asking you this question, it seems like you are spending more time distributing and promoting than creating.
1: Yes, yeah, And that's. Completely true. So um, I think that one of the issues that a lot of people run into is the fact that they spend so much time creating that they don't actually have time to distribute their content. Um, I do think that there's value in creation. Don't get me wrong there. I think that at the end of the day, you have to create quality content. But if you have a few great pieces of content that are high quality and that will add value to your target audience, then you can repurpose and remix that content for a very, very long time and people will continue to add that value and associate it with you.
0: Right. And then the third thing you mentioned was about community. And, and, and you mentioned that from the very start uh, when I challenged you with this, with this uh, starting with no credibility and the audience. And you naturally went into the community side because it gives you the insight of what people give a shit about. And also right. gives you the opportunity to promote your stuff as long as you add value first and without being spammy, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. I
1: think going into the communities is a, a, a great avenue for any marketer in any channel and in any industry.
0: So you have the organic reach, like I mean, the the channels that you own yourself, where you were you were you constantly share share stuff and repackage them. Then you have the the, the reaching out to people doing outreach. Then you mentioned communities, and then you stopped and you, you said it was uh, probably enough. I don't think it's enough. I think you have <laughs> probably other stuff up your sleeve. So what else do you like to do for your clients? Right. Give me your secret sauce here, because I can feel there's something else that you do that you don't want to say.
1: <laughs> so, I think another opportunity that a lot of people underestimate is outsourcing some efforts to sites like Upwork. So, on Upwork, you can get people who, for example, with this podcast, we will be on here for about 50 minutes or 60 minutes, whatever that may be. And we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. What I would do at the end of this podcast is I would send that to an Upworker and I'd ask them to take the audio and chop it up into a variety of different bits. And then I would ask them to to turn that audio into a video style clip that I can then send out as a tweet. So they would put together, say, 16 or 20 audio clips from this. They would put a picture of you, a picture of me on it. They would have a, a bit of a a wave, the sound wave going across it. And I would ask them to put that together. They do it for say 50, 60 or a hundred bucks or so. And from that, I'm gonna have 16 pieces of content that I can share over the course of the year that I can always be tweeting out and sharing on social. I'm then going to get another Upworker to take the audio and repurpose it with videos of me speaking at events. And then I'm going to take that content and share it on Instagram into Instagram stories. I'm going to upload it to IGTV. And I'm also going to probably create a teaser to go with uh, one of these podcasts that would go up on LinkedIn, driving folks back to this. So it would be a custom video where at the start, I can customize the intro where it says, Hey, LinkedIn, or maybe it says, Hey, Facebook, or Hey, YouTube, and then again, i'm going to repurpose that content on each channel, but it seems a little bit more personalized. I'm not actually doing all the putting this video together, but I would get an upworker to do it for me, and then I'll just take care of the actual distribution
0: yeah so that's why that's why I wanted to get to because you definitely have a scale, and like as you said, you have a personal life as well, and you're don't you're not uh outreaching to people twenty four seven you also have a team, but more importantly, I think you're relying on freelancers and outside uh people to help you scale so that you it feels like you're everywhere exactly without being everywhere
1: right 100 percent. and also taking like the audio from this podcast and then turning it into a blog post so i would share this with somebody on my team and i'd say hey I want you to find four or five key points that we talked about and turn this into a blog post. And then at the end of the blog post, it would reference the podcast, link back to it. Um, and that would be a new blog post for rossimmons.com, maybe Foundation's website, whatever that may be. So I think that there's constantly ways that you can redistribute that content and share it. You could also get some quotes taken from this. I'm sure that we've said some type of sound bites that could be used for Instagram assets that we could share on Instagram and then drive people back to the link in our bio. So for me, it never stops as it relates to the opportunities to create content out of content that you've already developed.
0: Is there any other secret sauce you're not telling me right now?
1: (laughs) I think I've given you the vast majority of them. I think that with this, anybody who's looking to distribute their content effectively should be able to do so and find uh, find some amazing results. So one actual, I do have one other secret tip that I would share with folks. When it comes to channels like Twitter, you can actually get folks to kind of just send them the tweet where you shared that article that you've developed. And then it makes it easy for them to just click retweet. So that's something that I would also look at from a a promotion standpoint, is make it easy for people to help you. So when you are reaching out, just send someone the tweet, say, hey, would you mind retweeting this or check this out? And of course, you're going to do this with people you have a relationship with. You're not going to reach out to Gary Vee and ask him to retweet something if you've never met the dude, but you're going to reach out to people who you actually have a relationship with and ask them to share that content on their accounts as well.
0: Uh, definitely from experience, what I found is when I reach out to people via email and asking them to share something or at least telling them this is the article, one thing that works is definitely to make it so easy that they literally just have to click to tweet right. or they literally have to copy paste a message and post it. It's just, I know myself, right? right. I receive emails like this often enough. And exactly. Most of the time I'm so fucking lazy. I don't want to do anything because they ask me so much. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Make it so, but, make it's easy. So, if you tell me just you know tweet that, it just takes me five seconds, then i can I do it, I reply back and say, "Done, thanks," and something like this, and that, there you go. So yes, making it easy is probably one of the core things that you need to remember when you reach out to others, but more importantly, making it easy, but also making it all about them. I think baking in the promotion elements into the content creation is probably also a tip or even bigger than a tip, an entire tactic that you can use, which is really about, let's say for this podcast, as an example, I would pick a quote and and something that you said that was super interesting. I would also try to look at other episodes in the past where other content marketers like yourself have shared other interesting stuff. And I would kind of find some common themes to, to write an article about. And then I would mention five of you And then I would email you one by one and say, hey, I've mentioned you in this article and I wouldn't even ask you to share it because I know you will share it.
1: Exactly, I love that. I think that people underestimate the power of ego. If you tell someone that you've referenced them and that you've um, created a piece about them, they're very likely to retweet that content.
0: Especially if it's good, right? Obviously, if it's a piece of shit type of content, no. But if (laughs) if it's really good quality content that solves a big problem and you're including quotes that are really in context, that's super interesting. Obviously, it's all it's all obvious, right? What we are saying from the start that it deserves the distribution is works when you distribute good content that solves problems, not spammy 300 word article that don't exactly. make any sense.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the. This is going a little bit off topic, but the the roundup style blog posts are kind of taking a hit because so many people have done them, right? Like the roundup posts, as great as they were for getting so many people to share your content, it's now at a point where when you create a roundup and it's a hundred marketing experts chiming in on the future of AI and digital <laughs> strategies, if you're marketer number 92, you are not going to want to share that content because to you, you're like, wow, I'm only 92 out of hundred. I do not feel flattered anymore. But if it was only a roundup of four, great marketing entrepreneurs who have thoughts on AI and digital strategy, and I'm number three, I'm more likely to share that content than if I was number 92.
0: Yeah. So things are getting more difficult, right? Uh, for, for for folks, I would say, out there. Or at least there's a feeling that it is getting more difficult. But I would say it's it's all about the same things over and over again. As long as you're helping people out, as long as you're giving value, and without waiting for a lot in return, as long as, as you mentioned, take the time to do the hard work of actually reaching out to people. There is no hack. You can't just hack your way into reaching out one thousand people and getting magically one thousand shares. It doesn't work like this. So building relationships, going to community, answering questions, creating value—that's that all comes back to that.
1: Exactly, and you have to also throughout all of this be willing to experiment and fail. Like you might try to publish that blog post, you then republish it on medium.com. And it only gets five claps like that is completely okay. You don't walk away from that and say, I'm done. I quit. I didn't get a lot of love when I tried to republish this on medium. You say, what can I do better? What are other people doing that is allowing them to generate the, the 20,000 claps on a blog post? And then you study that you reverse engineer it. And then you try to replicate what they did to find success in your own practice. So I think that um, to your point, the rules have pretty much stayed the same. The game is definitely getting harder. But if anything, what it's pushing us to do is to double down more time and energy on distribution and not being afraid to experiment with different channels and different tactics for getting our stories seen.
0: All right. Well, Ross, you've been absolutely amazing. Thanks so much for going through this step-by-step with me today. I mean, I think you're one of the guests that packed like the most insights into. Less than what, 45 minutes discussion, which is really good. And I don't say that to every guest. I, I, I truly mean it. So thanks for doing that. I, have, I do have two or three questions left that I always ask uh, my guests. So first one being, what do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in the next 10 years, 20 years or 50 years?
1: Oh, great question. So I think for me, this is a bit of a a more MBA style answer, but I think that for marketers that are going to come up and be successful, I think that soft skills are still very valuable and they're oftentimes overlooked. A lot of people will say, "Oh, it's so important to double down on learning how to write Swift. It's important to learn how to write do HTML and to write React. Like you have to learn all of these different languages and spreadsheets and all that stuff. But I think that at the end of the day, as automation becomes more important, as technology starts to kind of continue to evolve and AI starts to influence even us as marketers, I think that managing people, EQ, being able to make decisions, uh, not necessarily feel beat up when you're wrong, uh, resilience, negotiation, like complex problem solving. I think that all of those soft skills are very rare and they are going to be extremely valuable in the years to come.
0: Amen to that. Um, what are the top three resources you would recommend listeners? So that could be anything from webinars, podcasts, books, articles, whatnot.
1: Yeah, so there's a few places that I would definitely recommend. I think that marketers should always spend time with other marketers. And I'm a big fan of communities that are dedicated to marketers. So we lost RIPinbound.org a few years back, but there's still growthhackers.com out there. So I would recommend people to spend some time there. I know Rand has started SparkToro, which is a great resource for people to consume content. And I also agree that indie hackers and channels like that, while they're not tailored towards marketers, they're great places where marketers can spend time uh, and consume content. When it comes to kind of fine tuning your craft, I think that the Moz blog is still one of the best assets out there. But I also think that there's this great little website called YouTube where marketers can gain a ton of information and valuable insights on how they can leverage and achieve success. I think that a lot of people forget the fact that There's no problem at the end of the day that any marketer, that any human can go through that somebody else hasn't gone through in the past. And you just have to find people who have gone through it, who have written about it, who have talked about it, and then consume that content. Another resource that is a little bit outside of the marketing and business kind of landscape is this book by a guy named Clayton Christensen called How Will You Measure Your Life? And it's simply an article that evolved into an entire book about finding your purpose, finding the um, things that matter to you, not only in work, but also in your personal life. And I think that everybody would be better to read this book. I think that it, for me, changed my life. It's without question the one book that I gift to people the most often. Um, And I would definitely recommend that everybody take a read of um, How Will You Measure Your Life.
0: I never heard of it so thanks for sharing this one um definitely going to check it out um so Ross once again I'm going to repeat myself but you've been amazing I learned a lot from you today uh, for sure and where can listeners connect with you and learn more from you
1: yeah. So definitely check out Ross Simmons.com. That is the one place where I'm constantly trying to deliver and develop content that will help people generate more leads. And as a result, live more life. Um, but also, uh, check out me on Twitter at the coolest cool. I created my Twitter handle in university, so please don't judge, but yeah, I would love to connect with folks. I always love hearing from entrepreneurs, marketers, go-getters, and people who are simply trying to improve and enhance their life. So, um, from my end to yours, I really do want to thank you for having me on. I want to thank you for putting out this type of content, I've checked out a lot of the episodes that you've been creating. Um, I've been checking out the content that's been repurposed on sites like Indie Hackers, and you're doing an awesome job. So thanks uh, for doing it, and keep on hustling.
0: <laughs> what a way to end up! Thank you very much, Ross. That's it for another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, and this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode. I don't treat email list uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and um, personal emails every two weeks. I would say we, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get. And I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests. And perhaps I can also, Uh, have you on the show uh, someday so don't be afraid to subscribe I'm not gonna spam you and you can always unsubscribe for sure if you wish. The second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback. We know that this show is not perfect yet and we always uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing I like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends, your colleagues, or whoever might like it. And also please review it on iTunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast. Because if you leave us a five-star review, it means that more people will be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker. So thank you so much once again, and au revoir.